Will, just stand with me. Continue to play for just a few moments. And let's look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at a few verses of Scripture here. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And then we'll skip down to verses 25 through 38. The word of the Lord says in verse 21, And when eight days had passed before the Lord Jesus' circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And down to verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left a temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Lord Jesus, we pray right now, O God, by your spirit that you would quicken our hearts, O Lord. God, that you will help us to perceive what it would be that the spirit would speak to us through the written word of scripture. God, we believe that this Bible is God-breathed, that holy men of old penned these words as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit, and they are meaningful to us today, O God, teaching us how we should live and how we should move by your presence. So God, speak to us today through the Word. Help us, Lord, to apply to our life this very Word. God, that as we go from this place, you would help us to live out your precepts faithfully before you. And we thank you for it, oh God. Give us wisdom and grace in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you, Lord. You are gracious, merciful, and kind. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Thank you all uh, for being here today. 
in the Lord's house. We thank you for uh, your investment in worship and in giving and in the word of uh, the Lord. Oh, what grace and power we find in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful for Jesus' mercy and his kindness. And I know this morning that if you have a need, if you need the Lord to touch you, if you need to experience God's grace in your life, his presence is here today. His presence is here today. In this passage of Scripture, we find two people who really aren't uh, mentioned anywhere else in uh, the Scripture, Simeon and Anna, who have an important place in uh, the narrative that is unfolding about the Lord Jesus Christ and who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. And while Today is not traditionally a part of the Advent season or after Advent. This message still speaks to us uh, as part of the Christmas story of Jesus' birth and what happened in the short few days uh, following his birth, how his parents were faithful to fulfill what was expected of them as parents who were Jews, who were living faithfully uh, before the Lord, seeking to be uh, faithful parents. And so they were uh, going to the temple as would have been required of them, of someone who was presenting a sacrifice for this firstborn child. We see that uh, his parents were not uh, very wealthy parents by earthly means. They were offering a sacrifice as was required, a pair of doves or two young uh, pigeons in order uh, to, uh, uh, the firstborn was the Lord's, and so you made a sacrifice in order to uh, reclaim that firstborn, and that is what is happening here with Mary and Joseph, and there is a, uh, an act that is uh, to be performed, and they were being faithful to do that. And what we see just in the beginning unfolding of Mary and Joseph and how they're acting in relationship with Jesus is these two were acting acting to be faithful uh, parents. God had ordained the destiny of the Lord Jesus Christ to be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We see that as we read First uh, Peter chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 13. But it was Mary and Joseph that provided the culture in which Jesus was going to live. And so they determined that they were going to raise him as faithful Jewish parents, According to the law, we see this in Luke when he uh, explains what is happening. They're doing this according to the custom of the law. And as we even seek to make an initial application in our life, you and I are called to be faithful people. As a church, as parents, as a church community, we are called to provide a culture for young people to be raised up in order that they would be willing to hear and to listen to the voice of the Lord. There are times when churches are filled with so much noise and so much activity that we can't take a moment in order to listen to what God is saying. 
If we were to look to our order of service this morning, in the order of service, it doesn't take a break to pause a moment in order to allow the Holy Spirit to move as the Holy Spirit would like to move. But we have to have people who are on the platform who are sensitive to a moment in time that allows us to just pause in God's presence. And so we must take that moment as we pause in God's presence and what that speaks to little children who are in the sanctuary is that we're in the midst of a people who are being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in a particular moment. And though we may outline or though we may think we'll go from point A to point B to point C, when the Holy Spirit decides to move in a certain way and touch people's lives and there's a moment of spontaneous praise, we're going to pause and wait in that moment. And as a pastor standing here, I can attest to you what's going through my mind at that moment is, Holy Spirit, what is your will? How am I sensitive to your presence and not just walking through steps that we go through from week to week to week, but how am I sensitive to what the Spirit desires to do in any particular moment? And that's what you and I must ask ourselves every time we come together in the Lord's presence, because that's the culture we want to create for the next generation that is coming up. The Pentecostal experience of spontaneous praise and of exalting the Lord in languages that we don't know and being in God's presence in such a way that our emotions are called up to him in praise is not something that was just an experience 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago. It is a presence that God desires to manifest in the culture today, calling people to himself. We must be willing to create a culture in our church where the next generation is faithful to the precepts of the Lord. Mary and Joseph, while they did not control the destiny that was given by God for Jesus, they did provide the culture in which he existed. In the book of Exodus, over and over and over again, what you see is this scripture that says, you do these certain things, and when you do these certain things as a community that is uh, longing for the presence of God, when you do these things, your children will come along in time, and they will ask you, why do we do these certain things? And when your children ask you why you do these certain things, you shall say to them, because of the Lord's mighty deliverance, because of God's great power, we do these things to remember what God has done. I often am reminded that in the Old Testament, when God delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and when they walked through the Red Sea on dry land, how many generations did he do that miraculous event in? It was one generation. One time was there the miraculous deliverance out of Egypt. One time was there the parting of the Red Sea. And every successive generation after was to point back to that mighty miracle to say, we do these rituals, we do these things, we create this culture because of God's mighty deliverance back here. You and I have a responsibility to say of the mighty things which God has done. We were talking about between the circles 
services uh, with someone about the power of testimony. In the book of Revelation, we read, how did they overcome? They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What God has done in your past, how God has delivered you, how God has healed you, how God has moved in your life. We need some people who are willing to testify of the power of God. I remember just a few weeks ago, we had a time here at the altar. My son gathered up at the front of the altar, and Sister Joyce Morris came along, and she began praying for him. People from two different generations. And I walked over and I decided not to kneel because she was doing a fine job of interceding. She was doing a fine job of praying. One generation calling the other, come along, you can do it. Speaking into their life, there is a God who delivers, a God who has power, a God who is mighty and he's worked in my life and he can work in your life too. Creating a culture whereby the Lord moves and we call the next generation to faithfulness. This is what Mary and Joseph were doing with Jesus. They were fulfilling the responsibilities of their culture. And as they were fulfilling the responsibilities of what was necessary, God breaks in and moves, and we see this encounter with this righteous and devout prophet, Simeon. We see Simeon, who the scripture says is advanced in age. He was righteous and he was devout. Righteous, a reference to the inner man, devout in what he did, a reference to the outer man. So Simeon, in our language, was a man of integrity. What he said he was, what he said he was going to do, that's who he was, and that's what he did. He was a man who was righteous on the inside, and his righteousness on the inside matched his actions on the outside. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. Simeon knew that the challenge was not the occupation of Rome and the oppression of the Jews by a political empire, but it was the condition of the heart and the blight of sin that offended God. And he was looking for this consolation of Israel. Most of the Jewish believers saw or thought that Rome was the problem. They thought that the political oppressors were the problem. That's where their attention was focused. That's where their desire to throw off the oppression of Rome. But Simeon, who was longing after the Lord, who was searching after the things of God, Simeon saw that there was a deeper problem than Roman occupation. Simeon saw that there was a need for a savior who would come and who would rend the hearts of people, that they would see their sin and they would confess their sin and they would long for a savior. He was righteous and devout and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Three times in three verses. Whenever you see in the scripture something mentioned multiple times in a short span, pay attention to it. Pay attention because it's meaningful. Three times, verse 25, it says, the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
Verse 26, it says, the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And verse 27 says, he came in the Spirit to the temple. The preachers like that verse because we want people to come to the house of the Lord in the Spirit. We don't want people to come and wait until you get in the house of the Lord to be in the Spirit of God, to have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. My hope is that on Sunday morning, when you begin to wake up and you begin to think about going to church, your prayer is, God, fill me right now with your Holy Spirit. God, help me to walk into the gates of your temple full of the Holy Spirit so that when I walk walk through the doors, I am caught up with brother and sister so-and-so, and they too are in the Spirit. And together, we're already rejoicing in the Spirit. Like Simeon, a man advanced in age, a man who was longing for the consolation of Israel, but someone who walked in the temple gates full of the power and the Holy Spirit. And Simeon received this revelation from God that he would not see death until he laid his physical eyes upon the Messiah. God had revealed to him by the Spirit. God had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die even though he was advanced in age until with his physical eyes he could see this Messiah that had come. He had received this powerful revelation. I don't know how long Simeon had received this revelation, but what we know is that he was waiting, watching and waiting. Can you imagine as God had revealed to him, Simeon, you won't die until you see the Messiah, until your eyes lay them upon the Messiah. And Simeon looking, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's that one. It wasn't an unusual thing for an infant to be brought into the temple. It was required of all the parents of their firstborn child. Is it this one? Is it this one, Lord? Is it this one? Watching and waiting. And note the conversation between him and God. Is it this one? Because God would give the revelation. And once he sees the Messiah, he says, now I can depart in peace. My work is done. What I've been called to do, God has given. I have looked upon this one. I have seen him face to face with my own physical eyes. He has been faithful in waiting, and now I am discharged of my responsibilities. He's like the guard that is waiting at the gate, waiting for something to happen, looking, longing, wondering, is it today? Is it today, Lord? Will you reveal him today? The Lord calls you and I to be faithful as well in watching for his return. We're not simply to sit back and go along our day and expect at some point that we're going to be caught off guard by the coming of the Lord. You and I are to be like Simeon was, waiting, watching, longing for, looking to the signs of the times. Are you looking to the signs of the times? 
Do you see what's going on in our day and in our world? And when you flip through the prophetic voices in the scriptures, do you see something resonating that speaks to us and speaks to those who are watching and waiting and longing in the power of the Spirit that Jesus Christ is soon to return? This is our message to a world that is dying and hurting. Jesus Christ is coming again. Simeon gives this prophecy to Mary in verse 28 through 35. It has a hopeful tone to it, yet it also has a foreboding tone to it. He says to see Christ is to see salvation. Mine eyes have seen your salvation. And this salvation will bring peace to the Jews and to the Gentiles. You and I are recipients even today in this sanctuary. Most of us are here as what will be considered Gentiles. And we are recipients even of this prophecy that there was a hope that has come to the Gentiles. Yet there is part of this prophecy that speaks to Christ's death. He says that Jesus will come and it will see the fall and rise of many. Jesus said himself that he did not come to bring peace, but he came to bring division, separation, an idea that there is sheep and there is goats. There are believers and there are unbelievers. There are those who are faithful and there are those who are unfaithful. You and I have to reckon with that in our life and in the urgency with preaching the message of hope, in the urgency with sharing the message of hope to those who have not heard and those who have not been obedient. He says that a sword will pierce your soul, Mary, Mary, that this blessing of a child, there's going to come a time when this blessing, it will seem that there will be a sword that will pierce your own soul and that the hearts of many will be revealed. Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was watching and waiting and then Luke speaks to us about this unique woman in the last few verses of our text, and her name is Anna. Anna's heritage is given, which is quite unusual in the scriptures, particularly where a woman is mentioned. She's of the tribe of Asher, who was the eighth son of Jacob, the offspring of Zilpah, Leah's maid, and Jacob's concubine. The tribe that descended from Asher belonged to the northern kingdom of Israel. The scripture says that Anna was a prophetess, and she's the only named prophetess among a handful of others that bear this title. Miriam, the sister of Moses, Deborah, the judge, Hoda, the wife of Shalom, Isaiah's wife, and Philip's four unmarried daughters. In the New Testament, what we see through the teachings of the apostle Paul is that the prophetic voice comes to us in two, uh, two types of prophecy. One, there is the foretelling, 
a knowledge or revelation of what is to happen. And there is a foretelling, a thus says the Lord. Most of our preaching is that type of preaching, a declaration, thus says the Lord to you and to me. Paul tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14 that the purpose of prophecy is for upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. He tells us to do not despise prophetic utterances, but to examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. You and I should not push against or push back against the prophetic utterances or the times of tongues and interpretation. We should not push back against those times. In fact, we should long for those moments, but we also have to check them against the Word of God. We have to determine the spirits. First John 4 and 1 says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. There are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. We are to long for prophecy because it is upbuilding. It does encourage us, and it does give consolation to us, just like in this moment that we just experienced in worship. Did you feel almost the tangible presence of God ministering to us? Were our hearts caught up within him, just like those on the Emmaus Road, where they were with the Lord but didn't really realize it, but they said after the moment, our hearts burned within us. Was your heart not burning within you in a moment where you were exalting the Lord, and your lips stammered with praise because you couldn't find just the words to speak to God Almighty. A moment of consolation, of encouragement, and of upbuilding. This Anna, she was a widow. She was married and did not remarry after her husband passed. It seems that most likely she had no children because widows who had no children would often come around the temple complex because that was where they could be provided for. She would seem like almost an outcast because in that time and circumstance, women of that age without children who no one could provide for what is kind of seem like people who were sort of the, the sideline people. But yet God chose her to be one who laid eyes upon the infant Messiah. Your position in society does not preclude God's use of you for his purpose. Praise the Lord. The position that you bear in society. What those of privilege and honor think of you. What society would say about where you exist, what your job is, where you are. It does not preclude God from using you for his purpose and for his glory. She was elderly. According to the scripture, it's a little unsure. She was either 84 years old or she had been a widow for 84 years. If she was a widow for 84 years, it could mean that she was even up to over 100 years old. What we know is that she was an elderly lady. 
She was an elderly lady who found herself in the presence of the Lord. And when we look back through the Christmas story, what we see is that God faithfully uses you and me until death. We see the young people being used, Mary and Joseph. Again, Mary may have been 14, 15 years old when God spoke to her. We see the middle-aged in Zechariah and Elizabeth giving birth to the forerunner. We see the old in Simeon and Anna. Your age is not a pre does not preclude you from being used for God's glory. Seems at times that we want church to be more for those who are young and that we forget about those who are aged. But yet we see in this passage of scripture that this is the people to whom the revelation was given. These are the people to whom God gave this great glory of laying their eyes upon the Messiah. So as you age and as you advance in years, you have a hope that God can use you as well for his purpose and for his glory. Take a breath. You've got breath. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose for you. Anna, a widow, advanced in years, yet she was faithful in her lifestyle, in God's location, in the temple. She had positioned herself to be in the place that was symbolic for the presence of God's spirit. She had positioned herself to be in the place where she knew that God's eye was upon and God was working. She wanted to be associated with the things of God and in the place where God was working, she wanted to do God's business, fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Oftentimes when we think about work, particularly in the kingdom, we think about those who are producers, those who have good jobs that are able to give a good tithe or a good offering to help cover the expenses of a growing ministry. But I can tell you the most important aspect of any church is those who are investing in the spiritual business. Those who are fasting and praying and longing and seeking. This is why as a church, we must be willing to be different. I will tell you, as a pastor, sometimes doing the work of prayer and the work of fasting becomes exhausting. But yet even in my own mind, I equate that to being, I really may not have done the kind of work that other people do when they're actually doing the physical labor. And yet what Anna and Simeon were doing in their old age was they were lifting spiritual weights. They were growing their spiritual muscles continually until the day they took their last breath. Praise the Lord that as long as you and I have breath, we can exercise our spiritual muscles. She fasted and she prayed day and night. Day and night. Why did she do it all the time? Why did she not just 
sign up and participate in the 21-day fast at the beginning of the year saying, I've done my fast for the year and God, I'm right with you to carry me through. Why did she not just say her morning prayers and read her devotional book and move on and say, God, I've done my religious duty for today? Because there's something different about Simeon and Anna. They weren't satisfied with just the regular and ordinary. They weren't satisfied with just a little taste. They wanted to know God, and they wanted to know God deeply. And in order to know God deeply, in order to get to the place where the deep waters flow, they had to exercise their spiritual muscles to get to that place. And as they exercised their spiritual muscles, God gave them in a moment a revelation from the Spirit. Are you willing to do what it takes to get to the place of the deep water? Are you willing to do what it takes in your life to get to the place where God reveals himself to you in a very special and dramatic way? We've often forgot of the power of the spiritual disciplines. Simply spending time in God's presence. There are times in my life where I've gone through deep challenges and I've gone to my basement and I've found a place where I can have unlimited amounts of praise music. Maybe I'll put a place on where I know they do long portions of prayer and praise times and I pray it in my, play it in my basement and I use it as a place to create an altar before the Lord and pray and seek after God to get my mind and my heart in a place to receive from him. And those are times where the Lord has spoken to me from his scriptures and what God gives to me when I'm willing to take the time to get into the deep water. What God gives to me is a revelation in his word. And as God gives to me the revelation in his word, I'm able to go back to that revelation and feast at it time and time and time again. Over a year ago, the Lord gave Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And I go back to it over and over and over and over again. God's saying, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something. Don't you see it right now? In Isaiah 43, he says, I'm going to make rivers in the desert. I'm going to make a new path through the wilderness, God says. It's a scripture that I found as I was worshiping and praising the Lord and exalting him. And as I go back to it over and over, over, I find myself continually drinking from two verses of Scripture <laughs> over and over and over again, and I go back to the deep well. Hallelujah. But you can only get to those places when you are willing to wait and to watch and to long, to fast, to pray, to meditate, to think, to worship day and Nine. We're a new church. Not by some accounts, we don't even know when we started. <laughs> the first prayer meeting that I'm aware of began on Christmas Eve of last year. 
We're not sure where the Lord is taking us. We want to be evangelistic. We want to be missions-minded. We want to see the next generation raised up and faithful. One of the things that the Lord has placed in my heart that I would love to see, I'd love to see this place filled day and night, night and day, with prayer and praises. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're driving by from your job and you get off at 1 a.m. in the morning and you ride by Riverstone Church and the lights are on and someone's up here playing and singing unto Jesus, exalting him and worshiping that continual praise and worship is here, continual scriptures, continual meditation that this is a place that we will be able to come. Oh God, make it so that day and night, night and day, there will be a place that people can come to be in your presence. And when you read the Christmas story, what we find is that the people were listening and watching. We see the shepherds who heard the heavenly choir. We see the prophets who were listening to the voice of God, the wise men who were watching the heavens. And it says to us, don't get too busy. Don't get too busy. Don't get consumed with the things of this world. Anna, when she sees this child, she understands where this baby has come from. She praises God for fulfilling his word, and her praise is a knowledge of her understanding of God's word coupled with the revelation that this is Jesus. Understand that the cups that Anna was drawing from, she had to be a woman of the word to understand that there had been prophetic voices that were written down long ago that pointed to a coming Messiah. So she had to be a student of the word. She had to be someone who understood what the scriptures and the prophetic voices of old were saying. But she also had to be a person who was full of the Spirit and understood how God intended for those prophetic voices to come to pass. A student of the Word who rests in the power of the Spirit. Sometimes churches get off and they want to become very intellectual about the word. And that's all they focus on, neglecting the power of the spirit to bring supernatural revelation. And sometimes there's all of this emotionalism, which is good and powerful and mighty, and we experience it today, but there's a, a dearth, a death of the word. And we must be a people who welcome both. The power of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit giving revelation and understanding to you and to me. Anna, when she receives this revelation, she's filled to the brim. And what does she do? It says, and she continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. A prophetess who becomes an evangelist. A prophetess who has seen the power of God, who has seen the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the revelation of God, and now she is on a mission to go and speak this grace to all who would hear, to those who would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. She 
he's saying, I saw in the temple today the consolation of Israel. I saw in infant form God Almighty. I saw the Messiah, just like when Jesus met the woman at the well years later. Come and see with me this one who is the Redeemer. Can you imagine after all this time of waiting and watching, of fasting and praying day and night, day and night, and she walks in and she sees and all her work that has been done, now she sees the revelation of it and she says, come and see. When you and I have met the Lord, when we have been in his presence, when he has touched us so sweetly, so gently, so graciously, it must push us not simply to sit there and long for it over and over again, although we want it over again, but it must push us out to share with someone else saying, come and see. There is someone who can redeem you, someone who can save you from your sins, someone who can come into your life and transform your circumstance and your situation. Come and see. When we think about Simeon and Anna, it's interesting that it was an older man and an older woman that when this child was brought into the temple, the people who were praying, seeking, longing, which high priest said, oh, here's the Messiah? Which temple priest was walking by that day and said, oh, this one, this one is the Messiah that is to come? Which Levite that was working in the temple complex had the revelation Not one of them, not one of the religious hierarchy, not one of the priests, not one of the Levite workers was two aged people watching, longing, waiting, seeking. Revelation is not just given to those who stand behind a pulpit. And praise God for that. That God gives his revelation to those who are seeking and longing and waiting and asking. And that is what God is calling you to do today. He's calling you to wade into the deep water. The time is coming where just drinking from the shallow end is not going to do. The time is coming in our life where you're going to have to drink from the deep well because you will need something to carry you through the times that we are going to face in our world. The Bible is clear with us and it tells us that there is going to come a time at the end of the age where wickedness will increase. But as wickedness increases, God's grace also increases. As we see this world going out of control, as believers, what that calls us to do is to press in even deeper, to press in even closer, because we're drinking from a deep well, and our God knows how it's going to end. Our God knows every situation and every circumstance, and he's able to deliver and to save from the uttermost. Simeon and Anna were active, and they were looking. They were people who said what they were going to do, and they did what they said. They were people of integrity. That is our calling, to be people for as long as we live, to long after, to seek for, 
the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me as we pray, as we seek the Lord, as we sing to him in these next few moments. Let's turn our hearts to him. The Lord is seeking after those who would come after him in spirit and in truth. We are called to worship him and to exalt him. We are called to seek him, to long after him. And the Lord is calling you and me in this moment He's calling you and me in this moment to move to the deep part of the river, to drink from the deep well. However many years Simeon and Anna were watching and longing and waiting, we don't know. They invested. They prayed. They fasted. They sought the Lord. They were wondering, they were looking how many years, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And in just a few moments, their faith became sight. Like that. And all of that time of waiting and longing and watching and looking was worth it. All of that time invested the labor of fasting, the labor of prayer, the labor of getting up in the evening, the labor of waking up early in the morning and seeking the Lord. All of that was realized in one moment when they see the Lord Jesus Christ. God help us to realize in this world, in this moment, oh God, I pray, that as we labor, as we long day and night, as we seek you, as we move to the deep part of the river, when we lay our eyes upon you, oh God, it will all be worth it for it will be done for your glory. Help us, oh God, to shake ourselves, to long after you with all that is within us. God, that we would not fail or falter. And then, Lord, I pray that you would compel us to go out and share. Lord, to be an Anna in the streets and the highways of Charlottesville and around the world. Come see, come see. Oh, there is one who is a Messiah. There is one who is a deliverer. There is one who is a healer. Come and see, come and see. Oh, Charlottesville, come and see, come and see. Oh, world, come and see, come and see, come and see. Oh, Lord Jesus. Help us, move us, oh God. As we sing praise to him in this moment, 
Just commit your heart to him once again. Let's worship him and exalt him in this moment together. Oh, thank you, Lord. And our Father, all of heaven roars your name. Sing louder. Let this place erupt with praise.